the skills that set good bosses apart, laughing until you're crying, and the powerful question to ask employees who seem unable to let things go or accept your answer. It's all ahead on Boss Better Now. You're listening to Boss Better Now. Please welcome speaker, author, and show choir alumni, Joe Mall. Hello, Boss Heroes. Welcome to your weekly dose of advice and encouragement to help you boss better. And thank you for carving out time today to do something that will help you be stronger and better for those you serve. You're already doing more than most bosses by showing up here, by spending a little bit of time and caring about being better. So you know what? Kudos to you. Please welcome to the show my co-host, professional coach, Alyssa Mullet. Hello, Alyssa. Howdy. So tell me, Joe, enlighten, expand my horizons here because I am not a theater person. What is a show choir alumni? I like that you said theater with a little bit of formality and, and gravitas. <laughs> well, I, I was faking it there till okay. I, I was going to make it. <laughs> um, show choir is, is very much like a high school thing, right? It's it's uh, all the, the theater and music kids get together and they mix music with some choreography and take it out into the community. And so sometimes if you've got a, like a local festival or, um, you know, a town fair, we did a lot of show choir in nursing homes when I oh. was in high school. Um and yes, I am a show choir alumni. I will put my jazz hands up against anybody. <laughs> I mean, if you're watching us on YouTube, then you can you can kind of see me. They don't totally fit wow. in the frame. Wow. Um, yeah, listen, I don't want to intimidate anybody, but look at this. Boom. Those are some <laughs> jazz hands. Folks, I can tell you, those are some crazy jazz hands. I, I can see the expertise just like that's that's how this all started, It didn't it? Like, that's where you got your roots. <laughs> it really is, right? You know, I think that doing a lot of performing in music and theater growing up has a lot to do with how I approach creating training experiences and keynotes for people uh, on the stage. I, the show choir I was in was called Razzmatazz, right? Which just the name alone, there's some sizzle. It sounds like you should be throwing glitter at the audience, doesn't it? But you want to know something really cool? So you've met Jamie, who who yes. works for me on my team at Joe Mullen Associates. Um, we met thirty years ago in wow. show choir, and those that relationship still stands. Like that's some pretty deep roots. That like you all got each other's back in show choir. Listen, when you have a friend with jazz hands like mine, you stay. You just you know <laughs> stayed for the jazz hands, stay, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. You showed up for the jazz hands. You stay for the job. And, and oh, Jamie, if you're listening oh. to this, uh, <laughs> is that what it is? Okay, I'm she's glad. Like, we have yeah, I'm not sure it's the jazz hands. <laughs> love it, love it. Well, I'm really excited that um, we have some time today for our first topic, which is what it takes to boss well. Uh, I, I have a lot of conversations about this with folks, um, and specifically about the skills and tools. Mm. That it that we have to focus on developing to be more effective leaders. And let me kind of take a minute to tell you how I got here. So this summer, I did something that a lot of families did once COVID wiped out 
vacations and travel. Um, you know, we had our summer vacation to the beach planned, and it, and we had been looking forward to it for a long time, and we ended up canceling it. Yeah, and staying home and staying safe, and that was the right thing for us to do. Um, and so we took that money and we bought a pool. We put a little above ground pool in our little backyard um, because our little backyard would only take a little pool. Uh, <laughs> I have three kids. Their current ages are 10, 8, and 4, and they're all water babies. They love being in the water. Uh, and so my wife and I said, you know what? This is a long-term thing for us, right? We, we want our kids to feel comfortable inviting their friends over, and if they're going to be hanging out with friends you know, summer after summer, we'd rather them be at our house and know everybody than have them being out there wherever they might be. Uh, and so it was a very fast conversation. We knew that everybody is getting a pool, so we need to like do it now. Like We ordered our pool on May 13th, and it was installed on July 2nd. Wow. And I think the people who ordered their pool a, just a week or two later because of how much demand there was since so many folks were staying home, uh, yeah. their pools went up in like October. So it was wow. the, 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 the demand was incredible. Anyway, so I had read a little bit about what to expect when it came to caring and maintaining a pool. Um, my expectations, the picture I had in my head and what turned out to be reality were vastly different. And I had a little bit of a period of irritation. So <laughs> the pool <laughs> goes <you> up. <laughs> the pool goes up and we filled it. And then you have to take a little water sample to the pool store and they tell you what you need to put in it so that you can swim in it. Right. Okay. Um, because you got to change it from tap water to pool water. That's apparently a thing. That that makes me sound like I really know what I'm doing with a pool. I got to change it from tap water to pool water. Now that's just that's just what the guy at the store told me. Hey, we got to change your magician. Yeah, <laughs> tap water to pool water. Anyway, I took a 25 minute class at the front counter of the pool store when the guy was going through everything I needed to do. He was like, first we got to do your pool opening," and he handed me this two sided laminated sheet that had like 12 steps on it. Wow. And then I, I had to spend a lot of money on all the stuff that you put in. And then when he finished all of that, he was like, okay, now let's talk about your weekly maintenance. I felt like I needed a nap at that point. <laughs> then he went into the weekly maintenance, and there were like five things I need to do every week. Now, now some people just throw a chlorine tablet in the pool, and that's that. But that's not apparently the thing to do anymore. It's a little bit more involved, depending on what kind of pool treatment system you've got in place. Anyway, I came home, and I was a little bit irritated, because this was clearly going to take some time every week. Uh, and I was willing to devote the time that it took to have a nice pool and to maintain that pool. But the amount of time that I thought it was going to take versus the amount of time that it was actually going to take, there was, there was a gap. Right? Ah. And I was a little bit irritated. Yeah. And then I just, you know, the next day or a day or two later, I kind of woke up and thought to myself, yeah, but you know what? This is what it takes. Like, I'm sorry, Joe, that you're the picture you had in your mind, the expectations you have uh, of what it was going to take to maintain a pool didn't work out. Hmm. Right. That that the amount of time and effort you thought you were going to have to set aside to make it work is probably now going to be three times as much. But look how lucky you are. You've got a beautiful home, beautiful family. You got a backyard. You're in a position to give your kids a pool that they can swim in. That's an extraordinary thing. You're hmm. so lucky. Put your big boy pants on, suck it up and be prepared to spend this amount of time every week on maintaining your pool and be grateful that you can. It's what it takes.
Wow. It's and it got me thinking about th- this is a conversation sometimes that we need to have with bosses, right? There are a number of things that bosses have to do and do well in order to be great bosses. There are a number of things that bosses have to do and do well in order to create the conditions for people to thrive, in order to get uh, to, to, to meet the psychological needs that people have. And most folks underestimate how much effort and how much time it takes to both do those things and get good at those things and to have a, a healthy environment that people can swim in, to finish my metaphor. <laughs> Wow. A beautiful one it was. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I hope you don't mind me splashing around in that. (laughs) Too far. Too too, too far. The the, the puns will never stop. I love about that, though, Joe, is so many things. But one of the things is is that this gap that you describe Mm -hmm. of between the expectations that you had and the reality of what it actually takes, right? I think that that is applicable pretty much on a daily right now, mm-hmm. right? Is you think you know the rules, you think you know what you got to do to get through another day, but then the rules change and the reality is you have to change again. And now your expectations have to change again. Mm-hmm. Your expectations of yourself, your expectations of those folks that you serve as the leader, right? What I am interested in is what is in that gap? Other than like frustration, what exists in that gap? And and this is what I work through a lot with, with folks in coaching is being in that noticing, right? What is in that gap, because I think that's where the opportunity is, right? Mm-hmm. Would you agree that that gap between the expectations and then the reality, that's that's where the juicy stuff is? Yeah. And, and can I go through the process mentally of acknowledging that maybe my expectations of what this was going to be or what it was going to take weren't accurate? And if I want to be even moderately successful at it, what am I going to have to do? in order to rise to the occasion, right? Mm. So so in that gap, the first thing that I, my mind kind of went to with your question was sacrifice, mm. right? If, if my expectations are different than what the circumstances require, I now need to give something up in order to meet the moment, right? If So let's just play the numbers game, right? If I thought I could spend two hours a week maintaining my pool, but it's really four hours a week maintaining my pool. I've got to, I've got to give up something to find those other two hours. And if we use the, the analogy with leaders, what, what were you hoping the job was going to be mm. versus what it actually takes? What do you now need to sacrifice? Is it, is it the certain amount of time in your office doing certain things? Is it a certain amount of safety? Right. If if we know that one of the things that leaders have to bring to the table if they're going to be successful is vulnerability. And that is so hard. That is unsafe. It's uncomfortable. And so the sacrifice then becomes comfort. Mm. Right. That that sacrifice of comfort lives in that gap. The sacrifice of time lives in that gap. The sacrifice of the routine that I thought I was going to get to have as a leader 
lives in that gap. And it's only when I, I'm willing and ready to accept that I'm going to sacrifice my picture of what was and how it was going to be for what I need to do in order to, to be successful and to be yeah. good at this. It's only when we accept that we have to make that sacrifice that we can then, okay, I'm, I'm going to say it, that we boss better. I'm going to go on. I'm going to stay on brand. <laughs> but that was, that was so on, on message, but, but deeper, deeper than all of that too is, is exactly what you said. That's so powerful. The vulnerability, the sacrifice, it is this noble pursuit of boss, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, the reality of that sacrifice and that vulnerability that is required. You know, I think one of the understandings that I've come to as I've <laughs> matured, hopefully, um, <laughs> is that this thought pattern of naming what is in that gap, is it vulnerability, is it sacrifice, all of that stuff, that's important. You can't just gloss over and go, mm -hmm. I'm resilient and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to just go from here's the expectations and here's the reality. And oh, look, look at me leap. I can just go. No, mm -hmm. a boss hero <laughs> sits in the gap, is vulnerable in the gap and says, all right, how am I going to use this opportunity? How am I going to grow with this opportunity? Grow in that gap. Mm-hmm. I remember when I was writing my first book, I was interviewing a lot of different kinds of leaders, and I always asked them a question, what's your job? If you had to give it to me in a sentence, mm -hmm. what would you say? And the most common answer was the phrase, I put fires out every day. <laughs> and I think there are a lot of people who will hear that and identify with it. And they take exactly. pride in it, right? I am the person that gets called on to deal with the crap when the crap comes. Or I'm the person that has the answers. I have the experience. I know how to put that fire out. And you know what? I am there from the moment that fire sparks. And all of those, they are worthy of celebrating. But there is a certain amount of predictability and comfort that comes with being mm -hmm. the person who puts the fires out every day. And I think people sit in that gap and don't evolve because they think there are too many fires. Mm. I don't have the bandwidth. I don't have the capacity or the space or the opportunity in my job to go beyond fire putter outer as a manager to think about in a more intentional way. What do my people need from me as a leader, from the culture we have here in our workplace, from the environment that we create? What do they need? to be even more successful, more effective, more satisfied, more fulfilled? And how do I give that to them? That requires some sacrifice. It requires sacrificing a little bit of the pride that comes with being the fire putter outer too. Yeah. What's at stake for those leaders, bosses that are really, really uncomfortable in the uncomfortable. Mm. What if they don't want to sit there? What's at stake, Joe? Well, you know, talent leaves when work becomes less fulfilling, 
interesting, when they don't feel valued, um, when there is an opportunity, um, when there isn't a compelling reason to put forth effort. And so when we stay put, things become routine. Um, we, we miss and, and misunderstand what's important to people. Uh, and so we, we risk stagnation, both in our environment, our effectiveness, and in our personnel. That's big. In order to boss better, you got to live in the gap. You got to sit in the uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. You got to be vulnerable and you got to grow in the gap. But there's also some skills, right? Just some straight up things that people need to learn how to do better. Like we can we can have this big picture conversation about vulnerability and living in the gap. But like you also got to know how to run a meeting. You know, like, you know, <laughs> okay. h- how do you get get a lot of stuff done in a 30 minute meeting when the you know, how do you get 10 things done in a meeting when you only got time for five? Like, that's a skill, you know, and that that requires some work. What do yes. you think are some of the other just straight up skills that skills. make for better bosses? Well, obviously, I think one of the the key tenets or for me is this kind of, um, connection or a, uh, at least a communication of the kind of connection that you're trying to foster with your team, right. Is to live, be able to authentically to yourself, mean, have it, make it meaningful for you, and hopefully that translates to mm. making it meaningful for them and thus their commitment to stay it um, evolves. But that communication, that desire for connection. Mm. Um, so that I think that's a very tactical thing in terms of how do you communicate your desire to have connection with that employee? Well, we could take the first part of that sentence and put a period on it too, right? You know, we could say, how do you communicate? Full stop, period, end of sentence, right? Communication is a skill. Learning how to share ideas, instructions, disseminate information. And and we still need to do the other half of your sentence, right? Um, how do you communicate who you are and what you're about and be your authentic self so that you're not showing up and trying to be something that you're not because that lack of authenticity is just going to turn people off and and they're never going to follow you. They're never going to um, believe that you have their best interest at heart. But there are dozens and dozens of other kinds of communication too that that I think leaders have to get get good at. So just the skill of learning, how do I get out of here? If you're watching us on YouTube, I'm pointing to my head to hear, I'm pointing to my mouth, you know, how, how do I get my beliefs and ideas and wants and needs? How do I, I understand and flex my communication style and communication skill in order to be effective? So I'm with you on that. I think it can be bigger and broader. Absolutely. And you know, this is why we're the yin and the yang (laughs) together is because you went, okay, communication, hard stop there, period. And I went, but, 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 but the care and the connection and the ooey gooey, ishy, <laughs> squishy gray, that's me. That's what I want to talk about. Alyssa likes to live in the ether of the 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 big, what do we call it? The hippy dippy baloney. It's not baloney <laughs> at all. Of course not. <laughs> the hippy dippy fog and mist. <laughs> I, 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 I've, it, it envelops me like a nice warm blanket. 
<laughs> Alyssa's here to talk about feelings, and I'm here to talk about tactics. And that, folks, <laughs> is why we're the, the the I feel like the odd couple music should start playing right at this moment. One you of us gets to be one. Felix. I'm completely dating myself a little bit with that reference, too, because there are folks listening to this who have no idea what I mean by the odd couple. Right? <laughs> Joe is old. Really, really old. Except that I'm not. I just watched a lot of Nick at Night back in the day, right? <laughs> Well, I, you know, one of the highest compliments I, I feel like I've ever been given is that I have an old soul. Mm. And so that, I think you're an old soul as well. well I love that. Yeah. Well, let me say this, this final piece about the whole, what it takes to boss well, because I do think that there is one skill that transcends them all. Ooh, I actually call it the transcendent leadership skill. And it's not going to come as any surprise to you as our resident professional coach, but there is no doubt in my mind that it is the skill of coaching, mm. right? It is learning that there's a difference between feedback and coaching. There's a difference between mentor and coach. There's a difference between um, performance management and coaching, right? Uh, mm. For those folks who are new to the idea of coaching, we hear the word coach and we think about the you know the baseball coach you know the, the guy with the whistle around his neck who who teaches people how to get good at something and then encourages them and cheers them on and you could do it and fight harder and and in the workplace that's not what we mean by coaching coaching um is asking the right questions in the right order to create some self actualization right uh, coaching isn't about giving answers it's about guiding the person across from you on a path or journey. I'm going to use some of your big ether words <laughs> I love on it. a journey to figuring out those answers themselves. Um, I know I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to mansplain coaching to our resident professional coach. I'm defining it for our listeners. But when you think about that as, as a skill, is it the transcendent leadership skill? Is it the great differentiator, Alyssa? I would, I would like to think so. I would like to think that, you know, that what I get to do in the world is really meaningful and is, has more applications than, than folks might believe it to right now. Um, coaching is an immensely powerful tool. Mm. And I think that it absolutely can transcend transform all the buzzy nice words that we want to use with it um but at its core it is exactly that is powerful and so when we're talking about bridging the gap mm -hmm. boy that's a powerful tool to go through that gap with mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, folks, we want to know what you think. I'm on Instagram at JoeMall77. Also, be sure to like our Boss Better Now podcast page on Facebook, where you can leave comments, ask questions, suggest ideas for the show, and more. So tell us what you think. What are the skills that uh, it takes to boss well? What lives in that gap? How do you get from where you are to where you want to be as a leader? We want to hear that from you. Uh, also, I would be remiss if I didn't say this now. Our ability to keep doing these shows, it actually depends on you. We need you to rate the show, leave a review, subscribe to the podcast, and help us grow our audience. Thank you for helping spread the word and grow your show. And now, Alyssa, the time has come for everybody's favorite segment. I, I don't know if that's true. It's only our second episode. I feel like that was a a, a bit of statement. a leap. 
a bit of a leap, but it, <laughs> I think it will quickly establish itself as everyone's favorite segment. It is our Boss Better Now camaraderie question of the week. Bosses build camaraderie on teams by making it easier for people to find things in common with each other. Every week, we give you a question you can use at meetings to facilitate connection and build camaraderie. And this is a fun question, I think, because it helps people understand their teammates' sense of humor, what makes them laugh, what makes them smile. And so our boss better camaraderie question of the week is this. What movie or TV show made you laugh the hardest? <laughs> I feel like something popped immediately into your head based on the, the face <laughs> that you just made. So I suffer from recency, which means like whatever is happening of late is going to just spew out of my head. Um, but I got hooked um, well, I would say probably within the last like month and a half on, and again, I'm maybe I'll date myself here, but back in the day, there is this show called Allie McBeal. Uh-huh. I don't know if you remember the Allie McBeal. Okay. I remember Allie McBeal. Calista Flockhart. Uh-huh. It, it's just a great show. And so I've been, you know, watching all the old reruns and the show is timeless Mm. (laughs) as much as it like pains me to say that it really is timeless i mean she has these little hallucinations of these dancing babies oh i remember that was like the first viral thing wasn't it song it's hilarious it is just a hilarious show funny out loud so when it comes to movies or tv shows what are the kinds of things that that tend to make you laugh in general is there a pattern is there a commonality that you've been able to identify what's funny to Alyssa? oh gosh i i feel like <laughs> i feel like i have a pretty much a juvenile sense of what's funny <laughs> to me um probably leaning more towards the disgusting indecent uh, level of of humor. <laughs> a good potty joke, really. It, it, it's a winner for hey, you. You know, I have a six and a half year old boy. There's not a day that goes by where I don't hear one of those jokes. So, I mean, it is what it is. So, my son's favorite. My son is eight, and his favorite joke right now. He can't wait to tell it to anybody that he meets. Is why can't you hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? Oh gosh, no, because I don't know why, Joe. Because the P is silent. <laughs> That's actually really Wait. funny. Okay, hold on. There it is. All right. I gave a little but um there for our, nice. Nice. our listeners. I love it. Now, okay, you are, I know, like a huge buff whenever we're talking about movies or shows. So lay it on me. I gotta hear what makes you crack up. Joe. Okay. So in thinking about this question. The first answer that came to mind is the answer that I come back to over and over again. When I think about, in my memory, the moment when I recall laughing the hardest at something, it was in the movie theater the first time I saw the movie Anchorman. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Now, 
Anchorman is absurdist humor, right? It's it's they're not characters, they're caricatures, right? They're not real people. They're these absurd caricatures in these absurd circumstances. Like not, none of it is even remotely real, right? Um, yeah. If you don't, if you haven't watched Anchorman, I, I I can't explain it to you. Um, but it's Will Ferrell and it's Christina Applegate, and I just remember laughing so hard that I was crying, which doesn't make sense because my favorite kind of humor is what I would call smart funny, right? The stuff that's a little bit biting and makes you go, oh my goodness, I never thought of it that way before. Mm. Um, In college, I listened to a lot of stand-up on on recordings. My favorite comedian of all time is Chris Rock. I think he's a genius. I think his social commentary is incredibly powerful. I think he has made me laugh until I cried more times than I can remember. Um, That's the kind of comedy that, that I really like. And so... That's not what Anchorman is. Anchorman is ridiculous, right? Sex Panther Cologne. Sixty percent of the time, it works every time. That's dumb, and but it works so beautifully. It's one of the most quotable movies. Uh, I mean, how, how, I had to look it up. But how old is it now? Gosh, I saw that when I was working in in student affairs at Ohio University uh, in two thousand two. I think so. Yeah, we're, we're coming up on eighteen twenty years. Wow. That that movie has been out and it's still getting quoted and and what's funny is that all of many of the movies that that whole crew together did together afterwards uh-huh. tried to follow the same formula and they it didn't work as well, right? I think Anchorman stands alone mm. as being the the movie that made me laugh the hardest. You know what I love about this whole question is the story. I mean, you cannot ask this question to your team and right. not get a story to go along with the person's response. Like they have to justify, they have to tell you why it's so freaking hilarious, right? Yes. So this is spot on solid gold question. Use yes. it at your next round table. And you make a great point because, you know, too often, you know, if you start a meeting and saying, hey, we're going to do a little fun thing, build some camaraderie, I have a question, let's go around the around the room, you know, we're going to go around the table, what movie or show made you laugh the hardest? People are going to say Anchorman, or they're going to say <laughs> Ali McBeal, right? And you don't want the one-word answer, you want the story. So your point is so well taken, Alyssa, maybe we modify the question to be, tell us the story of Ooh. seeing the movie or show that made you laugh the hardest. Ooh. Because you don't want the one word answer. You want them to tell you a story. Yeah, yeah. I like it, Joe. I like it. And that is our camaraderie question of the week. All right. Our our last item on the agenda for this week's episode is a boss script. From time to time, we are going to bring to the show a boss script. These are questions or turns of phrase you can use in your work as a boss to be more successful. And Alyssa, our boss script for today is as follows. It's a question. Can you disagree and commit anyway? And this to me is a really powerful question. Can you disagree and commit anyway? It's a powerful question Mm. when you as a leader are interacting with someone who maybe is unable to let something go or accept your answer. 
Have you used anything like this? Do you find value in this? Why is this a useful boss script? I think the the last part of what you just said is this asks the why, okay? which we coaches never ask because the why isn't important. But in this particular case, you're saying I've given you basically, I've given you all the whys. Yes. And, and, and we've already passed that point. So now how are we going to move past the whys? Are we going to be able to commit to move forward? Mm-hmm. That's you're asking for agreement. You're asking for their partnership. That's powerful stuff. Can you and I like disagree this and commit anyway? That's amazing stuff. And I love it because it it moves the choice of what happens next from the leader to the person sitting across from them, whether that's a colleague or a business partner or a, another boss or a, or a direct report, right? Yeah. And it, it, it reminds them that they may have to make a choice that doesn't align with what they wanted. So I, I think about committee work and project work, right? Committees and and project groups have to come together and figure out how to do the thing or fix the problem. And there are going to be competing ideas and, and different thoughts about how to do it. Usually, the work done by that group together results in a consensus. Consensus isn't everybody agreeing. Consensus is this is, we are all supportive of the path forward, right? That doesn't mean that everybody on the project group agreed that it was the right way to do it, but we understand why we're going in that direction. Yep. Right? So they can disagree, but commit anyway. When we have employees who come to us and say, XYZ isn't working for me, it has to change. And maybe they're asking for something that is not going to change anytime soon. This is a powerful question we can say back to that person when, hey, listen, you've come to me You've said you need your schedule to change, you need your compensation to change, and you want your um, your title to change. And I need you to understand that none of that is going to be possible in the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And, and as you move through this conversation with that person, if there's resistance, if there's difficulty, if there's defensiveness, you may have to say, you know, let's take a time out here for a second because I want you to, to know that I hear you. I understand that this is important to you, but I want to be clear about what is possible and what is not possible and what you're asking is not possible. And so now you have a choice to make. Can you disagree but commit anyway? And if the answer is yes, great. Let's come up with a time when you and I can revisit this and let's figure out how we're going to make sure that your disagreement or your unhappiness isn't going to negatively affect how you show up. Mm-hmm. But if the answer is no, if the answer is that you can't disagree and commit anyway, great. The answer is still great because at least now we know and let's figure out our path, our exit strategy for you, right? Because if you can't commit, if you can't disagree and commit anyway, you probably shouldn't stay. That's right. Now you've got clarity for both parties. And I'm going to be an advocate for you either way, you mm-hmm. know, with whichever decision you make. I'm going to be supportive and helpful to you and for you. If you say, I cannot commit, I, I disagree, but I cannot commit, okay, then I'm going to be an advocate and helping get you out the door as fast as possible. And it's not a you thing and a me thing. It's a we thing. We'll do it together. But if we have that clarity, at least now we're all operating off the same game plan. That 
is something that folks need to stop. Get off the treadmill real quick. Write it down. <laughs> write that question down. Can you disagree and commit anyway? All right, Alyssa, let's wrap this up. Do you have any big ahas, big uh, takeaways? What What are you going to remember or what stands out from our conversation today? Oh, I love the whole conversation about vulnerability and being in the gap and that growth in the gap. And, mm. uh, you know, I love my ether. <laughs> connection and my communication and all of that golden stuff. But, you know, there's so many feelings to go along with the exact tactical things that folks can also take away from today's episode that I feel like it's all gold, Mm. all good. Let's high five, virtual high five right now. Boom. Give yourself a pat on the back too, folks. As you go out into the world, boss heroes, also give yourself some grace. Not every day is going to be your best day. Not every conversation will be your finest hour. But there is power in the rising and the showing up and the trying over and over again. And that's what you do. That's what you've been doing for months in the face of endless demands and challenges. You rise and you show up and you try. You genuinely try. You're not trying to just get by. Nobody listening to a podcast called Boss Better Now is half-assing it. You rise and you show up and you try hard every day, not for yourself, but for those who depend on you. And that makes you strong. That makes you powerful. That makes you a boss hero. Thanks for listening. And thanks for all that you do to take care of so many. Hey, boss heroes, check it out. One of the phone calls I get most often is the, we have one person here who really needs help phone call. The leader on the line tells me about an abrasive executive, a manager not meeting the needs of his or her team, or two physicians who can't overcome conflict. Their question is always the same. Do you have any training I could provide for this person? I have to tell them the uncomfortable truth. Theirs is a problem that training won't fix. The problems these leaders describe require a different solution, coaching. A professional coach helps people explore new ways of thinking and operating while examining the root causes of their own behavior. When someone needs to examine their approach, adjust their style, become more adaptable, clarify goals, or navigate conflict, there's only one coach I recommend, our own Alyssa Mullet. Alyssa is a professional and executive coach who works one-on-one with clients to tackle the issues that live behind closed doors. Experienced, credentialed, and revered by her clients, Alyssa can help you or any leader struggling on your team design a path to achievement and professional success. I've sent Alyssa to clients all over the country, and they rave about her every time. Every single time. So if you have that one leader who is struggling, or that one leader is you, I strongly encourage you to invest in coaching. For more information on working with Alyssa or to get a quote, visit joemall.com forward slash coaching.